Well, let's start off with prayer. Father, thank you again for letting us gather today, Lord. Um, we just so appreciate the freedom, and we just want to make sure that we're glorifying to you all the things that we learn about. Let us use it to your glory. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, here we are on part two of our current events series. So today, you know, easy subjects, critical race theory and Black Lives Matter. <laughs> so honestly, I did struggle with, you know, why? Why would we be going over this? What, what's the point? Well, I believe it's important to know exactly which movement or idea uh, believes in before we back it. Now, I haven't seen anyone here at Calvary Chapel, you know, jump on the critical race theory wagon or the Black Lives Matter um, wagon, but I have at other churches here in the community. Friends of mine, um, prominent leaders of, of other churches have openly come out and back that. And I think the problem comes from we just don't understand what those individual um, beliefs actually, what's behind them. Because it sounds like a good idea, right? Um, racism is wrong. It's an evil thing. Yes, we should, as Christians, absolutely support that. So yeah, let's, let's uh, back Black Lives Matter, but that's not the crux of it. So today's class is more of an expose on what those two organizations or ideas believe in at their core, so we can just understand how actually unbiblical these ideas are. So let's start with the first one, critical race theory. What is it? Well, it examines racism within a culture and society, and it seeks to explain how it relates to law, opportunity, power, housing, employment, education, etc. Proponents of CRT often say a socially constructed system of oppression instituted by white people is designed to suppress people of color. The system is unconscious and deliberate. So here's the actual definition of CRT. CRT, or critical race theory, is a theoretical and interpretive mode that examines the appearance of race and racism across dominant cultural modes of expression. Will you just say these in simple words so that it's not... I mean, oh, yeah. I, I kind of know what it is, but I'd like it to be just... Yep, we'll be breaking it down okay. Yeah, further and further. Um, and I just wanted to give the exact definitions of what, you know, either uh, proponents of CRT or well-known... Um, media outlets, like here's a definition from um, Britannica.com, Encyclopedia Britannica. And they say critical race theory, the view that the law and legal institutions are inherently racist and that race itself, instead of being biologically grounded and natural, is a socially constructed concept that is used by white people to further their economic and political interests at the expense of people of color. That's on Encyclopedia Britannica. The last one is critical race theory is a movement that challenges the ability of conventional legal strategies to deliver social and economic justice and specifically calls for legal approaches that take into consideration race as a nexus of American life. When was Actually, it's a lot older than we think. And we'll get into that too. Yeah, it, it's... It's only, we've only seen the, the big rise in, in popularity. Hey guys. <laughs> we got two up here if you guys want to be together. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we've been married long enough. <laughs> so what's, what's the point? Um, what's the point of critical race theory and why has it been so popular lately? 
So by studying it, people attempt to understand how the dynamics of racial prejudice and inequalities um, happen in any particular society. So it's, it's a, um, a social idea, right? It's, it's a social scientist is what they're doing, and they're wanting to study quite simply what we Christians already know intuitively. They're like, why does racism exist? Because sin exists, duh, right? But they're not wanting to accept that explanation. They're wanting to delve further into it and see if they can put an absolute finger on it so they can just pluck it out of society and then eliminate it. I know, right, Michael? But they have the idea that they can, that they can just totally eliminate racism from a society. I think we all share the same opinion. (laughs) So then by supposedly understanding and exposing those different parts of our society where racism is embedded, the goal is finally to bring awareness to the problem and hopefully stop it and achieve some type of equitable utilization of, of all the assets within society. So these assets can include language policies, application of the law, housing, schooling, all that. The goal, uh, according to CRT, is to challenge and, if necessary, reshape the dominant social structures and cultural expectations and practices that govern it. Now, here's to your first question, or, or second question, the origin of it. It actually came about in the 70s, um, critical race theory. It's a lot older than what we think. And it came about in legal studies, and it sought to identify and rectify legal inequalities. So, where did it come from? Lawyers. I mean, something written like this can only come from lawyers. Um, In the 70s and 80s, it was a group of lawyers and activists and legal scholars. They finally recognized that they needed a new framework to combat racism and oppression in America. So they blended concepts from critical legal studies and radical feminism at the time with the influences of the black power movement and the Chicano movements, and that's how critical race theory was born. So... All three of those movements, um, some of us that are old enough to remember Cesar Chavez, right? Um, some of us to remember the Black Panthers. These aren't, these aren't uh, rational thinking ideologies, right? These were radical, radical Marxist ideologies. So at first, you're up front, Justin, so I could throw some at you. <laughs> <laughs> so at first, it was mainly referenced in just the legal scholarship, but like we know, it's now used everywhere, uh, including our schools. So, first part: Is it dangerous? Is critical race theory dangerous? I believe it is. Why? Well, it presupposes that racism is everywhere all the time; that you can't escape it. So therefore, it has a potential for being misused, especially since it has those Marxist leanings from its origins. And it divides people into the oppressors and the oppressed based on what? Skin color, right? And it aims at having the government force societal changes for the greater good. Okay, my true colors are going to come out. When has the government ever forcing anything produced good? Right? we We can't just go and say, oh, the government needs to fix this. And it sees people as groups, not as individuals. And that's a problem, especially for the Christian. Because how are we to view people as a special creative act from God, right? As an individual, not to just segment them into random groups. And it tends to view everything in terms of its own criteria and judging all areas of society based on that, based on critical race theory. So therefore, 
I'm up here as a white American, I'm guilty of racism only because I'm white, not because of something that's deep within my heart, right? So funny story about this, and this is the part that, that kind of really gets against uh, my skin on, on CRT. Really when this started getting popular, well, like main, main in your face popular in 2019, you know, COVID and all of that, I was talking to one of my buddies, he's another financial advisor, and he's up in, where's Kenya, Cake Harbor? Cake Harbor, I think. Puyallup area, we're talking on the phone. Talking about market stuff, what's going on in the market. And we were both looking at our monitors and something across Yahoo Finance, you know, uh, flashes for CRT or Black Lives Matter or whatever. We've been talking for like, I don't know, almost an hour at this point. And all of a sudden it dawned on me and I'm like, hey, Kenya, you're black. He's like, well, yeah, man, thanks for noticing. <laughs> I'm like, no, like the whole point is for 40 minutes, I've just been talking to my friend. Like, I don't care if you're pink with purple polka dots, man. That doesn't matter to me. I'm not part of the problem, but because of the color of my skin, they're saying I am. And Kenya, my black friend, says, I know, it's so stupid. It's literally reverse racism is what this ends up being. So has it always been, though, from back in the 70s? Yeah, it has. Um, it's been this whole idea that just because you are white, there's no way you can get this racist ideals out of your, your system, your, your thought, because it's just ingrained in you, and you can't help it. There's nothing you can do because you're white. So when the way that it's been written has been toward the white people. <laughs> it has never been that everybody can be in the same problem. Correct. Oh right. Correct. When did affirmative action start? Oh, that was in the 90s. Oh, 60s? 60s. Was it that early? Where they will pit a person of color over a white person with more qualifications. Certainly during the 70s it was very prevalent. 80s it was prevalent. It's been around for a long time. So for those listening online that aren't here and can't read you know, the body language of those of us in class, this isn't a yay pro-white rally that we're doing here. You know, yes, Racism exists. Yes, it's a horrible evil that exists. And it absolutely does have to be dealt with. But through critical race theory, they're saying that racism only exists because people are white. They're not blaming the true culprit, which is sin in the hearts of men, period. See, it sees free societies such as ours right now. You can come in. <laughs> you can come on in, Catherine. It sees free societies as bad because... Freedom only supports further racism on, in the CRT view. And it keeps the, quote, racist problem alive, and it actually contributes to the thing it's supposed to prevent, right? Well, let me list it here of the tenets of critical race theory. Racism is everywhere, all the time. CRT pres uh, presupposes that white people are inherently racist. You can't get away from it just because you're white. It views people as groups, not as individuals. And a free society only supports this racist paradigm. And it encourages the racism that it purports to prevent, as in uh, reverse racism. So, are all white people racist? No, I don't believe so. Margaret, is your son Aaron racist? <laughs> <laughs> Anyone would know Aaron married a Kenyan woman, a beautiful Kenyan woman named Dama. You know, this is insane, but they would say Aaron, just because of the color of his skin, is racist. That doesn't make any sense. It absolutely doesn't. Well, and it, it lowers uh, one race to elevate another, and that's just going to be Correct. always a back and forth. Correct. So how can that assertion be validated that all white people are racist? So when developing methods of discovering something 
we often find exactly what we look for. Let me explain. So if a social scientist seeks to uncover racism within a person or group of people, white people, for say, um, is it possible to gear a study to find it or even create false positives? Do you think that happens? Yeah, of course it does. Because that's what they are looking for, after all. And we all assume certain values consistent with our worldview. We can't get, a, get across that, right? Even us as Christians, we're guilty of that. We're going to look at the world at a certain way. We're going to look at it through the lens of Christ, prayerfully. So the sociologist's own prejudice can't be divorced from their methodological studies. So they assume their conclusions from the beginning, and then they discover data to confirm it. It's, it's kind of like those... Um, Topical, topical preaching, preaching things, babe. Yeah, one flesh. Kind of like those topical <laughs> preaching messages, right? Like, you know, you can have this great idea of what you want to say, and then you go to Scripture and you pull verses out of context to say, to prove what you want to say. It's exactly what's happening here, but under the guise of science or social science. So one of the natural dangers of the misapplication of information from critical race theory could be um, societal changes to benefit a minority group over a majority Okay, I recognize this is a touchy subject, and we don't want minorities mistreated for the benefit of a majority, but we also don't want it to be reversed. We don't want the majority mistreated for the sake of the minority, right? If you guys remember last week on our um, introduction to social justice, I quoted in Leviticus where it's talking about basically holding favorites, and um, it also says the poor along with the rich. You're not supposed to, right? Regardless of someone's societal status, you don't uphold someone in any way, shape, or form. You don't uphold them because they're poor. You don't uphold them because they're rich. You don't but uphold them. But you do them. uphold them all as better than yourself. Correct. And that's what God has commanded. It's simple. So generally speaking, societal changes occur normally in society, slowly, um, not by a forced imposition. Of course, as a Christian, I'm going to say that such changes must be based on biblical truth. Prayerfully, change begins in the heart with the proper biblical teaching that we are all made in the image of God. Period. Imagine if everyone held that belief. I know it's not going to happen, right? I'm not a universalist. Those listening online, right? <laughs> that that not not going to happen. I'm, I'm aware of that. But if everyone, all of us, believed that we were all special created images, uh, a representative image of God, how would we treat each other? Would racism at that point exist? No, it wouldn't. Um, Genesis 1.26, when we're created in the image of God, the Bible teaches that what? There's only one race, a human race. There's no distinction made between people based on their skin color. That is a secular practice. Because we're made in God's image, we are all worthy of respect and honor. And we should avoid prejudicial favoritism and denigration in James 2, 2-4. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. 2 Corinthians 5.17. So what's the biblical response to critical race theory? You guys can come in. <laughs> come on, Bronze. I think maybe we might have to... Bronze, you, there's a seat up here next to Justin. I think we might have to switch with the library, maybe kick the kids in here, and then we'll... <laughs> you know? Yeah, we should do that. Because I, I think there's only like 10 or so in that class, right? Yes. Okay. Or 14 left. 14. Yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, we can take those tables out of the library and then put more chairs and stuff. That'll work. We can take those kids, right? <laughs> totally. Yeah. So what's our biblical response to critical race theory? 
Well, like I just said, the Bible says that there's only one race, the human race, period. According to Scripture, all people are made in the image of God. Now here, let me, I uh, gave you the reference of James 2, uh, chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, now I'll read it. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who's wearing the fine clothes and say, you sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit at my footstool, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? See, the heart is desperately deceitful and wicked. Uh, ben referenced it, Jeremiah 17, 9. And because no one does good, Romans 3, we all have the propensity to sin. Racism, no doubt, is a sin, but it's not restricted only to those who are white in skin color. That would presuppose that only white people have a sin nature. It exists among all people groups. It is our nature to judge others by our own standards, leading to racism. Instead, we need to judge others by what? The standard that God revealed in Scripture and through the person of Christ. We are all equally in need of redemption and repentance. We're all equally wretched. One person isn't better than the other. Furthermore, though, even though CRT has a noble aim that it seeks equity among people within society, it can and is being used in an oppressive and an ungodly way. It's dangerous, and we ought to pray against it. Those who promote critical race theory often seek to force change upon people through accusations of white privilege and inherent white racism, whether it's conscious or unconscious. Let me explain that. So there's um, books that have been floating around and um, propagated or uh, white fragility and white awoke are two of the most popular ones now. And I was uh, challenged by one member. I, I mentioned some of my friends, some of the, the leaders in other churches have jumped on this and I was challenged by one of him to read these books. Well, I got through a couple chapters and honestly, this stuff is just, it's awful. It, it really is awful stuff. The, the idea, and it's offensive, it's deeply offensive to me, the idea that I can't love somebody because of the color of my skin is horrifically offensive. It sounds like racism. <laughs> you think? I, I know. To, to tell me that I can't love a fellow brother or sister in Christ because of the color of my skin is just, it's ludicrous. It and doesn't. the fact that if we say phrases like, we're truly colorblind, we don't see, that alone makes us racist. Right. That alone makes us racist. Or um, the white privilege is the whole idea bet between uh, white awoke and white fragility, those two books, that the mere fact um, that you are have less melanin, quite simply put, um, means that you have greater advantages. Right, so my mixed baby children yeah. aren't, they, they have advantage. Right, right. And because of that, they are now going to grow up to be inherently racist under uh, critical race theory. You know, so Naima and Amana so and Zoe. what does that look like? in what they're trying to bring into our public schools. Yep, we're going to get on yep, we're going to get on that exactly what it ends up looking like. So, when justice is advocated without God as the standard, then justice becomes the changing standard of those who pressure others and the tool of those who don't know God to force others into compliance with this new societal norm. See, they neglect the heart's issues and they seek to replace Christ's redemptive work with social justice moral standards. And that's humanism. 
and that's very, very dangerous. Finally, this imposition of standards upon others by threat of punishment by council culture, it only exacerbates racism. Well, how so? It literally brings about the opposite of what it requires. Not surprisingly, this problem is reflected in the understanding of God's law, and it brings about the opposite of what it requires because it's not internally motivated. The law of God says, you shall not covet, but shows us where we covet. What shall you say then? Is the law sin? I'm quoting Romans 7. May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. For I would not have known about coveting if the law had said, you shall not covet, but sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind, for apart from the law, sin is dead. So likewise, critical race theory and its accusations of white privilege, bigotry, and racism, they don't produce heartfelt repentance because it is not a regenerative act. It tends to increase the thing it's trying to prevent. In truth, it's only the gospel that saves, and it's only the gospel that has the power to change people's hearts, period. Critical race theory isn't the true gospel, and we need regeneration, not critical race theory. And the idea that we have Christian leaders promoting critical race theory instead of scripture or the gospel of Christ, that's the travesty. And that's where it's even dividing us as a church even further. It's, it's accomplishing its goal, in my opinion. See, all Christians should abhor racism in themselves and in others. We should be in prayer about it, and we seek to be like Christ, but our repentance should be done for the glory of Christ as a people who are redeemed from sin and as a people who understand that all are made in the image of God. Like I said, there's only one race, and that race is descended from our ancient father, Adam. We're all ultimately, in this sense, brethren, period. So what does it look like in our schools? It's awful. Um, some of the curriculum I've seen, basically, little Johnny, you, you can't be part of this. You can't possibly understand this just because you are white. Little Johnny, you can't play with your friend who happens to be black because you are going to view him as lesser than you. And the thing is, these kids would never even be asking these questions. Um, let's see, I'm, I'm trying to remember. It was a Dennis the Menace cartoon way back. Uh, and he had brought, uh, yeah, it was Dennis the Menace. And he had brought one of his black friends home to meet his mom. He says, hey, look, I can't remember the kid's name. Um, he and I are uh, ex exactly the same. They were wearing the same outfit or whatever. Um, but there's something different about us. And his mom's like, yeah, what? Well, he's left-handed. <laughs> right? I mean, and that is how children see it normally. If you leave them to just their own devices as children, that's how they see it. But now, through critical race theory in our education system, they're trying to teach and indoctrinate these children that, oh, no, 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 you actually do have differences. And the kid's like, yeah, my friend's left-handed. <laughs> you know, that, that's the difference. And the teacher's saying, no, 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 no. No, you have inherent differences. Your friend is black and therefore, you know, worse off than you. And, and you're white, so you're going to look at your friend lesser. And, and the kid is confused at this point. And this is being started in the kindergarten. It that's is. What I mean, when we went on the home build in Mexico, we had, what, two two-year-olds? Yeah. Before, and all of a sudden, we kind of lost them. Not really. <laughs> and they're all under the fence playing together. Right. Total language barrier. Right. To and they're communicating back yeah. and forth. They didn't know the differences. No. They were playing with cars together. I know. Exactly. Was, yeah, a two-year-old doesn't speak teach, fluent Spanish. Right, and to teach these little children segregation. Mm -hmm. And that's what they're doing. what it is. It... That's disgusting. That is just going to push racism over. Even further. Yeah. It's going to yep. be 
I think that that's their intent. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, like last week, I played some of the, the most wretched clips from some of our um, children's shows like Blue's Clues and Muppet Babies that was showing. And if you don't think that there's an absolute targeted agenda on here, you're, you're sadly mistaken. And it is an absolute agenda. And it's for the destruction against the family, first and foremost, and certainly to just fly completely in the face of Christ. So what about the other one? Black Lives Matter, okay? So what do we know about Black Lives Matter? It's an organization that's made a lot of headlines in the news lately. Um, it's a movement that tries to promote equality among the races and fair treatment in the judicial system. Of course, this is a noble effort at face value. That's where it uh, starts to go off at that point. There's some hidden dangers within it, as well as some disturbing facts which the founders adhere to, such as Marxism, socialism, um, LGBTQ, and anti-family ideology. Some have called it a Marxist organization, but I don't see anything in its official statements to support that idea, just to be fair. I want to be uh, completely transparent. However, one of its founders, Patrice Kahn, is a self-declared Marxist who supports what's called the Marxist Breathe Act, and we'll go over what that is. So, first of all, Racism has been a sinful and persistent problem in our world throughout all of history, especially against black people and with the after effects of slavery like Jim Crow laws, um, inequities in the judicial system and other forms of discrimination, many in the black community are dissatisfied with how they and their ancestors have been treated. From this and other related issues, Black Lives Matter was founded in 2013 by Patrice Kahn Cullors, Alicia Garza, and Opal Tometi. But is it a good movement? Well, yes and no. So it's good in its opposition to racism and its proclamation that black people should be treated justly and fairly. However, it's bad in that it promotes distinctly anti-family, pro-LGBTQ ideology, and getting rid of the police. Completely getting rid of the police. Does anyone know what that system of society is called? Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's look at the BLM website itself regarding racism and the police. So uh, if you go to blacklivesmatter.com, this is what they say. Black Lives Matter Foundation, Inc., is a global organization in the US, UK, and Canada whose mission is to eradicate white supremacy and build local powers to intervene in violence inflicted on black communities by the state and vigilantes. We know that police do not keep us safe. And as long as we continue to pump money into our corrupt criminal justice system at the expense of housing, health, and education investments, we will never be truly safe. Hashtag defund the police. We demand acknowledgement and accountability for the devaluation and dehumanization of black life at the hands of the police. Okay, so what concerns me about this? I'm concerned about the broad condemning strokes with which BLM uh, addresses white supremacy violence inflicted by on black communities by the state quote police don't keep us safe and hashtag defund the police what's meant by those terms and how does blm want these self-asserted problems fixed like i used to tell my kids when they were young don't come to me complaining about something unless you have a solution to it i don't want to hear it because you're just adding noise to the problem i might have been a rough father but it worked <laughs> okay so who governs the deconstruction of these deleterious, socially embedded issues? And on what basis of logic and morality or Marxist ideology 
do they make their demands? So nothing on the BLM website that I have seen so far examines the problems related to crime in the inner cities and who does what to whom. So I did a search um, on their website for terms, crime statistics, statistics, Marxist. In each case, I got sorry, no results were found. So are they doing their homework and providing well-rounded information or are they pushing an agenda? Also, why is it that only the police are vilified for their killing of blacks, while BLM says absolutely nothing about the killing of black babies via abortion? Not one word is given to it. Just to do it, I did a search on the BLM website with the word abortion and absolutely nothing came up. Wait, I thought all black lives mattered, not according to them. And I have concerns about ideological factors within the black community and within any people group in subjects such as morality, culture, racism, family stability. See, these affect a people's assimilation into a society in which they're living. Issues like these need to be analyzed before any type of equitable and long-lasting solutions can be implemented, whether they, they come from outside the societal group or internal. The fact that these issues are ignored tells me that BLM is more concerned with an agenda rather than holistically examined facts that can um, create some type of solution to what they're fighting against. To blame systemic racism for the majority of their problems isn't the solution because it's just simply short-sighted. So what? As a, as a Christian and as a minister of the gospel of Christ, I have to proclaim that the real solution begins with the regenerative work of Christ who changes the hearts of people. Only by trusting in Christ to forgive us of our sins and having him change our hearts can we then see what? It's the fruit of love and peace, truth, other-centeredness, and sacrifice that our society needs. And only then are we going to see the death of bitterness and resentment, prejudice, racism. But of course, I don't see any of this mentioned in the Black Lives Matter. Instead, what do I see? Socialist, left-leaning agendas that blame others incessantly for their problems, some of which they themselves must own where they are at fault. Okay. Guess what? I also did another search on Black Lives Matter for the word Jesus. You know what I found? Nothing. That's a problem. So they've since changed it, um, but the good thing about the internet is whatever goes on the internet is there forever, so you can still find it. So these were original quotes from the BLM website, but they've changed it on the What We Believe section. Number one, all Black Lives Matter, no matter who they are, we are guided by the fact that all Black Lives Matter regardless of actual or perceived sexual identity, gender identity, gender expression, economic status, ability, disability, religious beliefs or disbeliefs, immigration status, or location. Well, these are catchphrases, right? It's used by um, the liberal left in redefining marriage as well as sexuality. So that's red flag number one. We make space for transgender brothers and sisters to participate and lead, again, it's yet another example of the alteration of standard sexual and biblical definitions. We are self-reflexive and do the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege and uplift black trans folk, especially black trans women, who continue to be disproportionately impacted by trans antagonistic violence. Okay. And the thing about that is that's 1% of people groups. Right. I mean, and right. we are to all accommodate 1%. We build a space that affirms black women and is free from sexism, misogyny, and environments in which men are centered. Okay, I don't know what they mean by environments in which men are centered, 
But I assume it's a rebellion against environments like work, family, right? Where men are often dominant. And if this is how they mean it, then they're presupposing that any form of male dominance is somehow bad. Along with that comes a subtle condemnation of just being a man. We make our spaces family friendly (laughs) and enable parents to fully participate with their children. We dismantle the patriarchal practice that requires mothers to work double shifts so that they can mother in private even as they participate in public justice works. Okay, we're gonna spend some time on this one because this one's huge. Right. Exactly. I thought the future could be women stay at home. Right, instead of having women make work double shifts. All right. And now these men are deciding their women are getting the power? Uh Mm Uh-huh. Right. So let me say that again. We dismantle the patriarchal practice that requires mothers to work double shifts so that they can mother in private even as they participate in public justice work. Okay, BLM wants to dismantle this patriarchal practice where mothers have to work double shifts. Okay, that begs the question. So why is working double shifts a patriarchal practice imposed on mothers? Don't fathers work double shifts too? There are no fathers in the book. That's right. Okay. Well, what what Michael had said. Now I'm going to back up what Michael said by the statistics. Statistics from census.gov, this is a government census bureau, show that in black families, fathers are woefully absent. Approximately 50% of black homes do not have fathers. Yeah, but when was that done? What year is that? Yeah, it's, actually it, it's higher than that, yeah. So, more are missing, right. More absentee fathers now. We learned this statistic. In juvie. So, could that explain the mothers working double shifts? Yep. Right? In Hispanic homes, the absence of fathers is around 25%. And in white homes, it's about 18%. Okay, so that becomes an issue. It, it's, it's quite as simple as that, as having the fathers present in the home. Yeah. And we found that through our minister uh, ministering in juvie, right, in juvenile detention. How many? Three, maybe, out of five, six years, however long we were preaching at juvie? Like three kids had biological mom and dad? I mean, we come across thousands, probably, of kids during that time. A lot of the same ones. Yes, they they may may not have been repeat offenders. So, and they openly say this. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. Okay, now this ought to alarm you. This one. The nuclear family consists of a father, a mother, and children. So Black Lives Matter wants to disrupt that basic nuclear family and somehow have other people in an an extended village context take care of one another and raise our respective children? You like the public school. Exactly. Right. No, absolutely not. I don't want a village of unbelievers raising my children. That's ludicrous. We foster a queer-affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual unless she or he or they disclose otherwise. See, they approve and completely affirm the promotion of homosexuality, lesbianism, uh, dismantling of the nuclear family, redefinition of marriage, sexuality, and of course this is extremely and inherently dangerous to young children. So other fun uh, quotes and articles on the BLM website. Currently, we are fighting two deadly viruses. COVID-19 is threatening our health. 
White supremacy is threatening our existence, and both are killing us every single day. That's blacklivesmatter.com slash defund the police. We know that police don't keep us safe. And as long as we continue to pump money into our corrupt criminal justice system at the expense of housing, health, and education investments, we will never be truly safe. Under Donate Today, it says, we appreciate your support of the movement and our ongoing fight to end state-sanctioned violence, liberate black people, and end white supremacy forever. How do they bypass completely that the most purveyors of black violence is black on black? They just ignore it. Is absolutely, is absolutely ignore it. And I, again, I understand that these are very difficult and sensitive topics, but it goes without saying, if you just use some logic and reasoning, right? Um, but this is also happening in our Christian universities too. Yes, it is. As a matter of fact, it was happening at a Christian university that our daughter attended before it was even popular, before it even had a name. She came home with these ideals and, and her mom and I are, and her dad were like, Sis? What? Literally, she was saying that we couldn't understand the effects of racism just because we're white. I'm like, what? She said that to you. Yes. She said that to us. She yeah. had a black friend um, hung out in her group, and he said, you cannot talk to me about these things because you, you can never understand, right. so don't even ask me. And then they would have these diversity conferences at right. Northwest University. And it, and it doesn't make any sense. I Okay, I understand the, the premise that you can't fully understand something unless it's happened to you. I get that. However, we still, I like to pretend we live in a logical society. You know what? I know that laying my head underneath a Mack truck is a bad idea, even though I've never done it. I can ascertain that that would be a stupid thing to do, right? I can still empathize with somebody that may have laid their head under a Mack truck. Stop making that truck. I mean, obviously the solution. So, right. Well, well, the idea <laughs> is the the idea is absolute common uh, common logic should should pervade, well, right? It's, it's it's more than that, though. But yeah, police are wrongfully arresting them and putting them in prisons. That's them from their families. That's their ideal. Because they're racist. And yeah. That's correct. Not because they, you know, fell into a crack epidemic right. uh, and made poor choices. As right. You know, exactly. and you want to take it to other aspects of life where you should just see the logical conclusion of this. As you guys know, and I don't hide it, uh, my family and I are definitely pro-Second Amendment, right? We are concealed uh, pistol permit holders. We actually have seven valid, my wife and I have seven valid permits. We are legally able to carry in every state, um, except for California, shocker, <laughs> Colorado, Illinois, South Carolina, and kind of the mess that's in the Northeast. Everywhere else we can legally carry a concealed firearm. So notice I said Illinois is one of the states we cannot carry. Okay, guess which state has one of the highest gun crimes? We can't carry in New York either. Guess which state has the highest gun crimes? We can't carry in California. Guess which state has the highest gun crimes? Uh, you know, when, when you take a look at some of these things, you're like, something has got to just wake people up at this point where we're sitting here, like what you were saying, per, I mean, we have this mass exodus of the black males from the family of, of raising their family, but they're instead trying to say, oh no, it's just because the police have been incarcerating them. That, that's why. 
So let's take a look at that, uh, the Breathe Act with its co-founder, Patrice Kahn. She's one of the co-founders and a self-proclaimed Marxist who supports this Breathe Act. So what is it? Well, you guys can do some research if you want. You can go to breatheact.org where you can download and read the entire summary. But I've done the work for you. Um, I've gone through it and I'm gonna provide some direct quotes of more of its important points, okay? One, eliminate federal programs and agencies used to finance and expand the US criminal legal system. Make recommendations to dramatically reduce the Department of Defense budget. Abolishing mandatory minimum sentencing laws. Hmm. Ending life sentences. Abolishing the three strikes law. Developing a time-bound plan to close all federal prisons and immigration detention centers. Wow. I would ask them, cool, let them stay in your house. Yes. Repealing federal laws that criminalize human movement and border entry. Decriminalizing and retroactively expunging drug offenses. Decarcerate their jails and or defund their police forces. Removing police, armed security, metal detectors, and other surveillance equipment from schools and government offices that provide social services. Abolishing state gang databases. Decriminalizing and retroactively expunging state drug convictions. Until ICE and CBP are fully dismantled, ending state and local police entanglement with immigration and customs enforcement, customs and border protection, and all federal immigration enforcement agencies. Closing, oh, it's not, no, it's not in here. Closing all youth detention facilities. Developing curricula that examine the political, economic, and social impacts of colonialism, genocide against indigenous people, and slavery. I'm, I'm sorry, guys, I just have to shake my head at this point. You're like, it's, it's the same idea with what Seattle's going. Oh, I'm sorry, someone's actively raping your wife? Let me send a counselor to talk to this criminal. What? How does that make any type of sense? Providing free, high-quality health services at schools and our nearby student and family-focused centers, which services include reproductive body autonomy. Okay, there's that word again, free. Okay, I'm going to be careful-ish about this. Most of you know what I do for a living. I'm a financial advisor. All that free money that came about in 2019, how's it feel right now with paying $19 for a steak? Five and a half bucks a gallon for diesel. That's what happens with free stuff, right? Passing H.R. 40, Commission to Study Reparation Proposals for African Americans Act. Establishing commissions that design reparations for mass criminalization, including the war on drugs. Allowing local and state resident voting for undocumented people. Brilliant. Right? So has this all been... No, no, but this is what Black Lives Matter um, supports. Well, it's one of its co-founders does, to be fair. Um, it's, it's what's called the Breathe Act, and it is radical Marxist ideology. So again, you know... <laughs> Everything you have listed there is in the works of being true. Yeah, You're right. Yeah. It is. There are bills written up. Yep. California has already passed and has a reparations committee. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yep. yep. So, again... And how are they going to decide? Because so many black people have moved to this country long after slavery ended. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they are not even descendants so of slaves. Right. I know. They're probably related to someone who might be descended a slave, or, you know, it's just fair. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. Cousins, oh, right. sisters, and three generations ago, their No, you can't. You can't blame all the black people. Not at all. No, no, they're not. As a, as a matter of fact, um, 
I had debated whether or not to actually teach this class or just press play for Vody Bachman yeah. preaching against black or it critical was race a black theory. person that brought that point up to me. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's not from a white perspective. Right. That is from a black perspective, a black person. Yeah, Catherine. What was the name? Vody Bachman. Yeah, he's an, he's an awesome preacher. Yeah. Yeah, you can, you can... What is the name of his sermon? Uh, well, the name of the book, Michael, it's Fault Lines, right? Fault Lines, where he just totally abolishes critical race theory and Black Lives Matter. But yeah, you can just look up, you know, Vody Bauckham and then slash uh, critical race theory and see him. You'll want to do it at like one and a half or two times speed because Vody's kind of slow when he's talking, you know, so... <laughs> Yeah, so when you're when you're listening to him. But yeah, it's an awesome sermon. And you can hear and see a black pastor say this is the most disgusting form of racism he's ever seen. See, when we had actual God-fearing people trying to combat racism, like Dr. King, right? We we had real evidences. I mean, literally, Dr. King's speech on the steps. All those years ago, he ended up saying he dreams of a world where a man is judged by the content of his character rather than the color of his skin, and here we are right now. Not just his children. And his children, yes. Yeah. And here we are. The, the exact, I mean, what Dr. King went through, Black Lives Matter, critical race theory, are just spitting in the face of that man. And it's, a, it's an absolute atrocity of what's going on. It seems like since the civil rights movement and integration mm -hmm. that starting in the 70s with critical race theory, they're trying to start it back up to, yeah. to start segregation again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think so. They've been doing it in colleges where they've got like yeah. black-only places where the black people can go and it's like, mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, you're right, Bronze. They do. Yeah, yeah, yeah they do. And, and it is. It's just promoting divisiveness. And it's, it's absolutely awful. It's absolutely anti-biblical. And that's why I wanted to bring this up because... Some of our Christian leaders and some of our Christian friends have been jumping on this here in this community in Lewis County. And they either A, they don't know what that these um, stand for, or B, they don't know their Bible. Yeah. And, and both of those are, are very tragic, tragic ideals. Yeah, Catherine. I just like, want to be a little transparent about like being a homeschooler, right? So mm -hmm. having some some choices about what we like to teach and expose our children to, and like I I don't ever want to wrap them up in a bubble and not you know show them things, but like I'm struggling going to the library. Mm -hmm. Like it's in your face. Oh, I know. Like, mm -hmm. Everything. Like there's so much pro. Gay and, and and Black Lives Matter and like sixteen nineteen project. They have like little kids books. Like right. it's everywhere, and I'm just kind of like, yeah. And like I'm at the public library, and like we, yeah. And then we, we can stay aside, and we don't have to go in and browse. Right? I can just reserve what I want. Right. App and pick it up. Like I don't have to bring my kids in there. Yeah, but that's the experience of the library that we all. Grew yes. up and, and loved. Did. And we were doing it, and like, I'm just kind of like, we even accidentally grabbed a few books that I wasn't familiar with that had some agenda in them, I didn't even know it. So mm -hmm. when we got halfway through it, once we already got it home, and I was like, oh, never mind, this isn't for us. <laughs> but like, I especially, I, I just want to say, like, I'm not, 
it's not healthy or appropriate, you know, to like avoid those things. No, forever. it's not. Like this is why I don't have my child going to public school. Even with mm-hmm. even the fact that they're out, their their peers outnumber the adults so much, and you mm-hmm. have you know five year olds in the same building with eleven year olds. You know what I mean? Just like mm-hmm. influence, like I just not anyway. But it's just it just is killing me because I'm like. Like it feels like a battleground, and I'm just. It absolutely is, Catherine. It is. It is a battleground, and it's a spirit. Yep. We have to. We're called to be separate. We have to be separate, and it's not. Yes. And gone are the days being salt and light in the public school. Correct. Yeah. They're influential on. They're influencing us as Christians. Right. We are not influencing them anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have to know our Bible. We have to know the Word, and we have to be firm in understanding so, what the Word says. Speaking of that, that leads me to my next uh, thing. So we've done um, now two weeks, and I think that that's really about it of the hot social topics. I mean, I've covered, you know, um, Black Lives Matter, critical race theory, social justice, that stuff. So then it dawned on me, yeah, that's what we should do, is we should definitely dive deep now um, into theology and doctrine uh, to really learn what our Bible says and why it says it. So we'll be starting that, um, and my wife is over there twitching. (laughs) I promise to not have it graduate level, Mrs. Kurtz. (laughs) Yep, yep. So we'll, we'll have, um, you know, doctrine and theology of, of why what we believe, what we believe, uh, what the Bible says, and why it's true. And how to combat these things confidently. Mm-hmm. Understand, I think, the most profound thing you've said in this setting uh, <laughs> um, has been that we are not fighting a person. Correct. We are fighting the thing standing behind the person. Well, remember, I didn't say that. John Wiley first said it from the pulpit. I just copied what John said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, this is a spiritual battle yes, being fought out in the heavenlies. And if we can look past people to know that this, this is evil and good fighting it out, then we won't take it so personal when they attack us. Right. But we are to confidently proclaim the word. Yep. And so many people think that they're doing, you know, the critical race theory and everything with good intentions. Right. They, and they have no idea that this is what these so people, people believe. Like, tell them that these are bad. They're like, well, you must obviously You're be a, a horrible person. You're a racist. You're a racist. Yeah. 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 Right. I've but, been called it by my son because yep. I dared to say I was colorblind. I don't know. see. But if you can pull up from the Black Lives Matter website like this, and, you know, yeah. this, 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 how, in what world is this a good thing? And that's what you say. So in order to elevate one race, you must stomp down another. Right. And Wait, is that, that your motive? I know. Uh, uh, no, nah, yeah. never. I mean, that, that's, I mean, that's just like those of you that have, you know, more than one child. I mean, how do, you know, oh, yeah, yeah oh, he's stupid, he's dumb, he's dumb, you know, to try and make himself the favorite or whatever. <laughs> it's, uh, golly, it's the same exact thing going on. And that's a sad thing because when they say, like, Black Lives Matter said, because the dad is incarcerated. Uh-huh. Well, these women have children by three and four and five different dads. Which dad is the one that's supposed to be yeah. taking care of the family that's incarcerated? Right. 
Yeah, which had they dismantled the home nuclear Yeah, right, exactly. you know, it's morality. It's not. And it is morality, and it com and it comes to abolish sin. Is what it should be. <laughs> of abolish, please, it should be abolish sin. That would be a great idea. I mean, and then we, but we take a look at how our system has been designed and how it's been exploited, and has been brilliantly exploited because the the new quote unquote family of today. Let me lay it out for you guys how this ends up working, right? So, uh, a boyfriend and girlfriend get together, have kids, but they tell the guy, well. Don't ever marry her, right? Do not marry her. Well, why not? Because being unmarried, she receives greater support in federal assistance through EBT and, and welfare and the more kids, right? I talked to someone who's planning on after they have their next insurance, insurance is better not because being married. She Correct. Has better insurance. Yeah, we have and then it all gets even more circumnavigate uh, the system than that. Then, you know, they will, uh, the, the dad will have his mail forwarded to say, oh, I don't know, his mom's house or something while he's living in that house to just prove to the state that he doesn't live there. I mean, it's, and this is what our system has produced. And it's awful. It's, it's absolutely awful. So in that one regard, like I said, it, <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. It's, it's, it's tons of it. Um, and that's the part for, for those of us that have come from those types of backgrounds. And to be told that we've only succeeded because of the color of our skin, or we're racist because of the color of our skin. I'll tell you what, um, I grew up, let's see, three years of my life we were homeless. Um, my parents were drug addicts. We grew up on welfare and food stamps, like back in the days when it was an actual food stamp. Talk about a nice experience at the store as a kid. You know, they, they stamp it. Golly. And during growing up that way, never did I look at any successful person in our, in our country and say, you know what, that guy needs to give me his stuff. Instead, I had the idea, I don't like my life. I might want to choose a different path. But the idea that I was able to choose a different path only because I'm white, I think is ludicrous. In this day and age, no, no way, no way. I was, like I said, I just mentioned my buddy who's a financial advisor, who's black, quite successful. You know, it, it didn't matter to him. As a matter of fact, our, you know, we had a black president. It's actually the opposite. They actually have more advantage, advantages than we have. Some. Some, well, yeah. If they would have said the next Supreme Court justice has to be a white male. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But the you only imagine. reason they picked her is because she's a black woman, and she cannot even define the word woman. I know, and that that, that should make well, that, that woman angry. Treated their black chief of police. police chief. Woman. Yeah. woman, I know. So and that should, about that. And that should make those people just furious. And, oh, yeah. It Black should. women that are well-educated and moral mm -hmm. are furious. They should be. They rightly should be. Because it's is a slap in it every... Is. It's it's stomping it's stomping on yeah it is it's completely stomping on on their face. It's degrading to them. You're not capable. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Because you're black. I know it's well, no, it's absolutely black degrading. Women, the black yes. women that are moral and well educated are all slapped in the face by putting a well a lenient mm -hmm. pedophile mm -hmm. person in there. I know. When they could have honorably had this position, it's an insult to every black woman out there for them to have done this. I believe it is. It absolutely is. 
because to just promote somebody by some, you know, objective, or not objective, but just complete standard that doesn't even matter because of her gender or race is, well, it's an atrocity. They needed her because she's got such awful credentials. Oh, I, <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's a it setup. It's a setup to get him off. Yes. So, any questions? Uh, <laughs> no, it's okay. Like I said, I knew this topic was going to be, oh man, <laughs> you know. I, I warned Ben before we were doing this. I'm like, get ready, brother. This will be fun. <laughs> Emails and calls and texts. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, no, this one's this one's online. Yeah, this one's online because. Our, our Christian brethren need to understand if they are supporting any of these two movements, they need to understand what is in these movements, and they are in very dangerous, very, very dangerous movements. See, I've been, I'm disabled. Uh-huh. I have a lot of pain, so I have to lay down. Mm-hmm. And during that time to take my mind off of it, I do research, and I read this stuff, and I go places that other people don't mm-hmm. dare tread. Mm-hmm. And... So I can find out this information, whereas somebody who has a full-time job comes home from right. their job, comes home, takes care of their children and everything, they don't have time to look at this information that I've been researching when I can't be doing anything mm-hmm. else. And so, yeah, I get a little bit outspoken online and I get <laughs> shut down. <laughs> Facebook jail, sure. <laughs> something about all of the COVID shutdowns and everything that did open up a window of opportunity when some people had to yeah. put some other busyness on hold and more people did do yeah. some digging, you yeah. know, and are still. But now I want to encourage us. Now we're going to start digging into the Word, and we're going to really dive deep into awesome. doctrine and theology and, and what it means to be a Christian. Cool. Not too deep, Mrs. Kirk. Listen, I can watch YouTube videos to simplify it. Doctrine for dummies. <laughs> <laughs> any, any other questions or, or comments before we close in prayer and then get on out of here? Nope, good to go? Okay. We'll be here next week. I will, right? Yes. 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 Okay, so I will be here next week. And next week, in, to kick off our... our uh, oh, next week's Easter? Okay. I'm going to cheat. I'm not going to necessarily kick off our Doctrine of God study. Um, next week, I'm going to give a proof for the resurrection. How do we know that Christ walked out of that tomb? So, so we'll go over that. Thanks for reminding me it was Easter, so I'll do that instead. <laughs> okay, let's pray. Father, Lord, we, we just love you so much. Um, we thank you for, for all of your children here that are, and all of us. We're just hungry, um, God. We, we want to know you more. We want to be able to share you with those whom are in our lives, those that, that we love, God. Please let us accomplish that. Um, let us be worthy of your work in which you've called us, and let us be unashamed uh, to preach your gospel. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.